Hey everybody, welcome to the Musea Podcast. This is episode number 45 and I am Michael Howard, the founder and CEO of Musea. For this podcast, I had the chance to talk with Tanya Lippert. She's a uh, fashion and wedding photographer out in California. Um, but real quick, I want to uh, mention a couple of things. Um, first, today is World Water Day. Uh, and as you may or may not know, the Musea store is very involved um, with helping with the water crisis uh, that's going on around the world. Um, an amazing stat about this water crisis is um, that the lack of access to clean water and sanitation kills children at a rate uh, equivalent um, to a jumbo jet crashing every four hours. Um, and so this kind of this like unseen problem that's going on in the world that uh, we typically don't think about, um, something we, as especially Westerners, typically take for granted. And so uh, we're helping uh, solve this problem. Uh, what we're doing is, with the Musea Store, our online proofing solution, uh, 2% of all sales uh, go directly to water.org uh, to help them uh, get people clean drinking water and to solve the sanitation crisis. So I just wanted to bring that up today because it's uh, World Water Day. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of stuff online from uh, different organizations. Uh, but just know that this is something that we care deeply about and are heavily uh, involved in. So, uh, so far, I think in the existence of the Musea Store, We've helped uh, over 27 people uh, get clean water for life, um, and we're, we're about to hit, I think, uh, number 29 uh, coming up here. So it's something um, I'm really excited about and just passionate about, and so hopefully that um, through Musea you can learn more about um, the water crisis and uh, that you can help um, create a better life for other people out there. So also this week we launched the buying guide, which is our brand new awesome feature that we have with the Musea store. And so this is something that I'm super uh, excited about. No other online proofing system has uh, this feature. And so what it is, is it takes some of the in-person sales techniques that people have and it puts them on your store for online proofing. And so uh, it'll hopefully merge the best of uh, those two roles together. And so you can upload videos, um, to it to educate your clients on all sorts of things, anything you'd want to create a video about, about your products, about why people should buy tangible prints versus digital files, um, anything like that. And then you can also uh, upload photos or just images that you create in Photoshop. And so this could allow you to use maybe templates or something to show people, hey, this is what a 30 by 40 looks like over your bed versus just an 8 by 10 or a 5 by 7. And so it allows people when they're buying um, getting ready to buy images through the store, it allows them to actually see what something looks like uh, on a wall at a larger scale. And so hopefully that will influence them to make a more educated purchasing decision to get something framed or get a large canvas or something like that. So um, something we're excited to see how other photographers use in creative ways to create creative content and put up there. So as we go forward, I'll definitely be sharing... Um, different things that people are doing and hopefully we'll see sales uh, really increase through um, online proofing. So, and that's something um, that we're excited about. If you need online proofing or not happy with your current solution, check us out, uh, mymusea.com. Um, also, the Seattle gathering is coming up um, quicker than what you think. So we've got uh, early bird tickets on sale now. Um, those go, or that ends, I guess, on May 1st uh, for the early bird tickets. So if you're planning on going, um, get your tickets uh, before May 1st. Uh, after that, they uh, jump up um, between 100 and $150. So make sure you get it um, sometime before that, which you have a little bit less than six weeks to go now. So 
that's it. Um, oh, you can get your tickets at museagathering.com. Uh, so on to the podcast with Tanya Lippert. Um, I had a great conversation with her uh, this week. So she um, shoots a ton of film, actually all film, and uh, we talk a lot about um, maybe the negative side effects of technology. Uh, we talk about how she shoots film at weddings. So we get into some, kind of some gear and logistic talk. And then we also talk about how she uses photography, photography um, to empower women, which I think if you're uh, a female photographer, I think you'll find the conversation very encouraging uh, and, and uplifting. So she's one of the hosts right now on the film show, which uh, you can find on the Frame Network. And she's also been published in um, Grace Ormond Wedding Style Magazine, Rangefinder, The Knot. Southern Weddings Magazine and Brides Magazine. So sit back, get some coffee, and enjoy. And thanks so much for listening, as always. Tanya, welcome to the show. I uh, hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be be here on the phone show with you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, well, I always ask and want to know kind of how you got started in this crazy world of photography. I read a little bit on your website, so I, I kind of know a little bit of what you put on there, but I would like to hear you tell the story. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I actually started uh, modeling when I was 15, and I luckily got to travel all around the world doing that for about 10 years, and that was an awesome experience. I never thought one day I would be on the other side of the camera or would have paid a heck of a lot more of attention to what the photographers <laughs> were doing, <laughs> and at any rate... From there, I went on to doing hair and makeup and styling for other photographers, thinking that I would be a stylist, and realized very quickly that I just, the photographers that I was working with saw things very differently than I saw them on the photo shoot. So, like, I was seeing all these pictures in my head, what the picture, you know, what what I anticipated the pictures to look like. And then every time the film came back, I was like, wait, that was not what I saw when I was there. (laughs) (laughs) So basically just kind of out of desperation of like, I really wanted to capture the hair and the makeup and the wardrobe being um, how I saw it in my own head. I picked up a camera to see if I could do it. And I just literally picked up, borrowed a camera from my brother-in-law, started taking pictures and it snowballed very, very quickly into a business, and I've just been going ever since uh, about eleven years now. So, and you have you? I guess you've always been film. Is that your? I've always been film. Yeah, I started shooting before digital was on the scene. Yeah, and that really wasn't even an option back then, or maybe it was being talked about, sort of, but not you know in any of my circles. <laughs> And um, so I started in film, and then I just never, I kind of have the why fix it if it ain't broke mentality, and I loved my film cameras, I loved my the whole process from start to finish, and every time I tried to pick up a dance, digital camera, it just like made me nervous and got me confused and made me feel like, a, a, you know, a fish out of water. Hmm. 
So I just kept going with the film thing, and thank God, because it's literally been, you know, one of those things that I feel like has set me apart in a million of seas of photographers that, you know, everyone you know is a photographer now. Yeah. So I feel like it's that, it's the one, you know, it's one little thing that can, has set me apart in my career, and and I feel like it's something that I can do and, and teach now other people how to do, which is awesome. Yeah. So, oh, well, I'm applaud you for being brave. I um I got sucked into the digital thing, <laughs> and I well, it's easy to do. Everyone said it was better and cheaper and yeah. faster and lovelier, and you you kind of feel like for a long time I felt like all the photographer friends I had made they were making fun of me. They were calling me a dinosaur. <laughs> they like totally, and I was like. You know, there was a ton of pressure from everyone I knew, like, what, you're crazy, you know, why are you stuck in the dark ages, you know, film is dead, what are you doing, and, you know, and I just, like, I don't know, every time I tried digital, I just couldn't, it didn't feel the same, it didn't feel right, it felt, I felt nervous, I couldn't take a good picture, so I just kept sticking it out with film, and I thought, you know what, I'll just keep shooting it as long as I keep making it. And we'll see where this goes. <laughs> and well, so far, awesome. it's worked out pretty good for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's coming back a little bit. So totally, I like, hope. and I see it coming back because just because I'm so, you know, so thrown into it, I I've I hear from all kinds of photographers who have switched back or in the process of switching back, and and I'm excited to see it come back because I feel like it it needs. I don't know. I, I feel like, especially in the commercial and fashion industries, it needs to uh, make a little bit of a comeback so that people become more, you know, people become a little bit more, you know, okay with the turnaround time and the fact mm-hmm. that it's an art form. It's not just like, you know, take a picture and look at it on your computer in two seconds and all yeah. that good stuff. So more tolerant of the process, I guess, is what I'm yes. trying to say. <laughs> yes. Um, well, perfect because that leads right into my next question. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I figured we would just get like the big, like controversial topics out of the way on the front end. <laughs> so okay. Um, and maybe they'll just take up the whole show. Well, I guess we'll see. But uh, <laughs> you wrote this on your blog, and so I figured it would. It was. It's something that I. Um, I don't know. I guess I've talked about a little bit on on my on the Musea blog, um, it hinted around, but anyway, so you say, and it's like, quote, uh, Mm -hmm. technology is killing the art and soul of photography. (laughs) That's like, I do think that I do, I do, I do. I know. I mean, and obviously technology brings on a whole nother form of art, but I feel like photography in general, like capturing something that is there right in front of you, in a moment in time, I feel like the tendency um, with technology is to make art outside of that, right? It's, it's almost like to, I don't know, I've been to these photography competitions where they were judging if the road should have been curved more or, like, the grass should have been greener or the sky should have been more blue. And I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of old school. My, this is a photograph of the sky of the road that's curved perfectly as it was curved in real curved in real life, right? It's yeah. a photograph. <laughs> so I feel like with technology, it just seems like you know I don't know, like everything's faster, everything's like 
hurry, you got to have it tomorrow. And it kind of just takes, you know, for me, art takes time. Like it takes time. It's like, I'm, you know, you start the artistic wheel spinning and you have your tools and you need your, I don't know, it's just it's such a process. And to, with technology and all of that, everything making it easier and quicker, I just feel like people aren't as, aren't as careful, aren't as um, discriminating and they aren't as like watching and waiting for the moment as they are just like trigger happy. Mm. Yeah. No, I like, yeah, I like the words kind of the discriminating um, and careful, uh, I guess, yeah, intentional would be like another one. Yeah, definitely shooting with intention and creating, you know, like really, I don't know, thinking about the whole creating, you know, what a lot of the sentiment is, oh, we can fix it in Photoshop or I don't know. Like I just really, I slow down and do it right in camera and, you know, do it right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rely on the actual, the, the process is art. The whole process is art. And I feel like people kind of forget that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to me um, with, like, the film coming back. It definitely seems like it's coming back in the wedding world more so than the other other genres. I mean, fine art, it's always kind of been there. but um, yeah. But, more, yeah, definitely, like, the fashion commercial because they just require, like, ridiculous turnaround times anymore. Um, yeah. And it's just, like, the – it's, like, there's just a devaluation of photography in Absolutely. general. Absolutely. Um, totally. It's very saturated, and I feel like everybody – because cameras and technology is so, like, it's so out there. You know, everyone has a computer, and everyone has a camera. Everyone's a photographer. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, do you feel, do you sometimes feel, and this is like me personally just talking, um, that uh, you feel like one of the old people now? Like I, I do sometimes because I feel, uh, it seems like when I, I talk to photographers that are newer and they're like 100% digital, there's this kind of belief of like, we're the wave of the future. You're just an old, like, veteran now I, so yeah i don't aside. feel that way at all i actually feel like i feel more like i'm paving a way for the future because mm. even though i'm old school and i'm like doing the art that was there before digital i feel like there's so many people who are interested in going back and and it's sort of like they're not teaching it in colleges anymore most of the film programs are gone so there's it, there's not a lot of places for people to really learn film so I feel like I'm more of a leader in that industry. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I feel the opposite. I feel like I'm I'm leading in film and, like, I'm helping bring to people back to film and I'm helping teach people about film. So I don't know. I don't feel like I don't feel like that. I feel like I have a little niche over here and it's okay if everyone else is doing that one thing. It's like over here in my little world, um, we're moving forward in film. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't feel like that at all. I feel like it, I feel like I, we, like three or four years ago, I felt like that for a second, like when everyone was kind of like, oh, you know, and then now it's more like people are like, oh my gosh, you do film, that's so cool. Like, can you, you know, they want to ask questions, they want to know more. When before it was like you just kind of got made fun of, like you, you were the old school, you were, you know, you were like a grandma shooting film. Now it's like, really? You shoot film? That's so cool. I want to know. I want me to have questions. And I don't know. So I feel like it is, 
it was definitely, I feel like, kind of at this point, it's more respected than it was two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of gone from, like, yeah, the jokes to the cool kid now. Um, yeah. I just hope it becomes more norm and not necessarily the cool kid. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I just feel like so, it should be a viable option either yeah. way. There, It's just, I know, I look at, neither one is better, better film or digital. It's just what works for you mm-hmm. and what makes you, how you, you know, like if you're a painter and you use watercolor or you use oil paints, it really doesn't matter. The end result is a beautiful painting, but it's just what feels most natural and authentic to you and your voice and how you like to work and how you like to translate your art. So yeah. for me, it's just film works in that way. I can't, I can't do the same thing I do on film with digital, so... I wish I could, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just my it's my my viable choice that just works for me. So yeah. So I just hope that it's more kind of a kind of like that. You know, it's like respected either way. Whatever you choose, there's no better or worse. It's just what you know. At the end of the day, we all have to make we all have to make our art in whatever best way we can and know how to. So yeah. I'm just hoping that it always remains a respectable craft, even in the commercial industries, so that you know, you can keep shooting it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think respect is a cool, cool word for sure. Um, yeah. So what, um, little uh, quick, like, gear talk kind of stuff, like, what are you shooting with, like, weddings and stuff? Because I, th- I watched some videos, and you look like you're doing, like, an RZ maybe. So I do have a, a Mamiya RZ67, okay. which I love, and I do a lot of um, more of, like, fashion work with that and, a lot of my editorial work with that, and I mix it up. Sometimes I bring it to weddings, depending on the wedding, and if I have to travel, it's kind of hard to travel with. It's a little bit of a beast of a camera. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is. so I also my main cameras that I my go to cameras for weddings are my Contact six four five and um, my Nikon F one hundred. So I shoot usually I have four cameras on me at weddings, and so I have like two of each of those cameras and. And then I pack my RZ once in a while if it's if it's the right wedding where I know it's local and specific things, you know, I know lots of details and things like that. I love the RZ for detail shots. Yeah. That thing's a beast. <clears throat> it is. That's but a beast. when you like when you take a picture with that camera, you're like, I took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> you do it like it's yeah. like a cannon, it like boom. <laughs> yeah. The whole room knows. Yeah. yeah, it like feels good. You're like, Wow, I just took a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, that thing's loud. Um, yeah, so those are my yeah. main cameras I work with. So the Nikon F100s and the Contact 645, my Mia RZ67. And then I recently acquired a, um, I can't even say it, a Paul Bell Makina 67, um, which I like, but it forces me to work a lot slower. So sometimes it frustrates me just because it's, you know, it's a rangefinder and, you have to slow down even more so than mm-hmm. I already do. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. That one I may may not keep for very long just because I, I like to work a little bit faster. Yeah. You're funny because uh, um, <laughs> you seem like a high-energy person, but you're you're really like the slow craft of film, which is uh, it's kind of counterintuitive to me. I know. I am definitely <laughs> high-energy, like for real. And I shoot, I shoot, I like to shoot moving and I like to shoot, quick and capture the moment right as it's happening. So I do work fast. 
Yeah, I can go through, I call it happy trigger finger. I can go through <laughs> some, some film. <laughs> Matter of fact, we just got through with our film show, season two filming, and and probably out of all five of the photographer hosts, like I probably had like twice as much film as anybody else. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Did Ryan like slap you or anything? Like stop you? <laughs> No one slapped me. I just like, you know, like I just, I do have a little bit of a happy trigger finger. So I get really excited and I just like when it, when I see that whatever's happening in front of me is like working the way I want it to, like I just get super excited and I like bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Yeah. Change a role. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Good thing you don't shoot digital then. You'd be over your head. Um, I know. I'd be like sifting through 5,000 images at one wedding. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, I want to talk about. Well, let's see. We'll get into maybe some film specific stuff later if we have time. Um, okay. I tend to not get too gearhead talky on here, but if we if we have time or something, we'll get into that. Um, okay. Just because I don't know, you can Google that stuff if you really want to. I think. Um, looking at your work, I try to really look at like your fashion stuff, and then how that relates to like your wedding work and then like your, your bridal editorial, uh, work as well. I'm trying to find kind of a common thread between mm-hmm. all of that. Um, I have, a, sometimes it's hard with weddings because it's, it's such a, it's the same formula that everybody's working in and to find a unique vision through that is so hard. Um, right. But there's only th- so many things you could do with a bride and a groom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Without becoming too crazy on out there. <laughs> right. But I think with you, like after, the more I kept looking at your work, the more I kept looking at it, the thing that, uh, and some of it may have come across more in the bridal editorial stuff. Um, but for me, it, it what I kind of felt was it has this kind of, uh, it communicates this idea of like power and just like beauty of women, um, obviously has that fashion edge, but there's there's, there's this kind of a um, em- empowering feeling. Oh, awesome! Bon- That's bon- cool. Nobody's ever told me that before. I like that. <laughs> okay. um, because, uh, especially because like, I'm just wondering how all this plays into your work, like you being a model at age 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that you probably saw some or experienced maybe some bad stuff in the fashion industry or felt not like a human being at times, I would think. Cause I, I, well, I don't know. It just depends. I don't know. I, I want to know like your take on like being a model and then that's obviously the passion for clothing and fashion is carried over into your work, but it's, right. it's a very positive message where sometimes fashion can be very, materialistic and objectifying. Does that make sense? Right. Well, I'm definitely like, I believe in light and God and putting, reaping, you reap what you sow and putting good things out into the world for sure. So for me, like there, everyone has a little bit of dark or there wouldn't be light. Right. So yeah, there is a little bit of struggle with the dark and the light, but I love, um, I always, I want to bring a positive message for sure in anything I do. So, that I think is why it definitely will come across kind of um, more powerful and in I'm you know I'm definitely not the person that's going to be like doing distasteful 
stuff in the fashion. I mean, we all see it. We all know what it exists and it's there, but that's not, you know, dehumanizing or defeminizing or all that stuff is not going to be, that's not who I am. So I wouldn't want to put that in my work. Um, but what I do love, I do love making women feel beautiful. And I remember as a model, for the most part, I had a really good experience with it, you know, but I also was very careful about whom, who I let in my inner circles and keeping, you know, like keeping it really as a profession rather than getting into a whole lifestyle that a lot of models can get into, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, modeling was like my work. So I really did keep it on a professional level. And I think in doing that, you know, my daughter, she's 13 now, she's actually going into modeling herself and getting to start to do some travel and stuff like that. And, just, you know, keeping keeping what's important for me for her in that industry is keeping her grounded, keeping her um, real, <laughs> um, you know, being real with it and not and treating it like a job and not like a lifestyle and like, you know, in the fast lane and all of this. Um, and, but within that, like, I really love making women feel beautiful and appreciated and like real people and special. And I think that's maybe part of what you see in my pictures. Like that's a really important piece to me. I remember what it was like being on the other side of the camera when you're working with a photographer that didn't make you feel those things. And yeah, sometimes it doesn't make you feel very good. You just feel like you're there to sell whatever the story is that they want to sell or you're there as like a human hanger and they're tugging at you and pulling at you and and sometimes it doesn't feel very good, you know. So, yeah, I want everybody that I work with and shoot, I want them to know that they're special and that they're beautiful and they're, you know, they're real. And so I try to build that connection with them outside of photography. And then when we're, and then during our shoot as well, it's like it's a constant, I don't know, I'm constantly, um, it's a connection with them. So I'm connecting with them in a way that makes them feel beautiful. And that to me is a gift that I can give them in that moment. And I've had so many of my clients, not even models, you know, just real women that say they want to come back for more because in that moment they felt beautiful. They felt alive. They felt accepted. Um, and they want that feeling again because it's not every day that they get to feel that way. So I think of it as a kind of a gift that I can give women and, you know, not just women, anyone that I photograph really, um, a gift of connection and a gift of acceptance and love and beauty. And I don't know. In those moments, I do find my clients beautiful. Like I think they look amazing. You know, you give a, you put someone in the right light and they have – you know, their hair and their makeup done and the right angle and it excites me and it, it is beautiful. <laughs> so I get yeah. right there in the photo shoot, I'm like, oh my God, you look so amazing. You look so beautiful. And I just, I think they feel it, you know, they really feel it and I'm being genuine in it. So yeah. And so that to me is like a really important part of what I do is um, sharing that bit of, cause I know most women do not feel good about themselves most of the time. Yeah, I was going to ask and, that, like how um, self-worth and confidence and how much what you do is to help women with that, like to... It's not, so important. I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm a counselor. I'm like, you know, you hear, 
I don't know, like when you're, we do a photo shoot, it's like a full day process, and literally sometimes you feel like you're a therapist because you're, you know, you, I allow myself to be vulnerable in front of my clients, which in turn allows them to be vulnerable in front of me. And I know that vulnerability is the key and really important when you're wanting to connect with someone. And I know that I'm going to ask my clients to do things in front of the camera that they might not think look good or they might not feel comfortable doing or they might not think, you know, they're thinking, how does this look stupid? So my, you know, I have this whole theory behind it, but I feel like if you allow yourself to be vulnerable first, mm-hmm. that your energy mirrors energy. So if I'm allowing myself to be vulnerable in front of my clients, then when I need them to be vulnerable for me, it's going to be much easier to get them to be vulnerable in front of my camera um, if I've allowed myself to first. So a lot of times on my photo shoots, we get into these deep discussions about, you know, relationships and children and death and birth and life and all of these things. And I think it's, it's, it's all about finding that connection. And then through that connection and that vulnerability, you can you can really allow someone in front of the camera to come into their own kind of thing, you know, um, let, uh, let go of all their worries, let go of all their stress and just be in that moment for however long. And, um, and it feels good. It feels really good to them. Like they, they love, they just love the way it feels to be in front of the camera. And, and I, and I, I think of it as sort of a little gift that I can give to them so it's awesome it's really awesome it's so much more than just taking pictures for me yeah it's like really it is a lot like therapy and and connecting and being you know i think in this day and age when everyone's texting and emailing you lose a lot of human connection Mm -hmm. and i feel like what i do for people is help them reconnect even if it's just with me (laughs) (laughs) it is it's weird but it's true like that's how i look at it yeah no, and I think that's one thing that can be really great about photography if done if done well um, is that it really allows you to really be intimate, I guess, um, especially kind of mentally with mm-hmm. other other people, um, even strangers to a degree. And oh, there's for something sure. very fulfilling about that even if you don't just dropping your guard with somebody even if you don't know very well even though it's a client or something um, it becomes more than like a business transaction it becomes like kind of this life sharing thing I don't know if that's yeah it's crazy it's very very personal it's very interesting but you know like in my photographs I want to reveal a little bit of um, real like I don't want my photographs to feel fake or conjured up or um yeah, I want them to feel authentic and real. And so a lot of times I'm actually helping my clients to actually conjure up real feelings that they have in there. It's just I'm allowing them and, and sort of cheerleading them into bringing them out in front of my camera, which is really strange, but I'm really, I've become really good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... um over time, I've, I kind of know I can I can read people really well, and I can see where they're at. I can feel where they're at, and and I know what I want to put in the photographs. And so sometimes it's just about like I don't know. Sometimes it's easy, and it's just about letting people giving them permission to feel something. And then other times it's about like helping them to get there. And um, yeah. so yeah, I don't know. It is interesting for me. I want I definitely don't want just 
you know, even especially even in my fashion work, I don't want just someone standing there looking pretty. You know, I want it to be a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that really comes with connecting with them and and giving them permission to express themselves and also pulling out things if they're not if they're not doing it on their own. Like then digging in and figuring out ways to pull things out of people that I want to express in my pictures. And then, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot like therapy and it's a lot like, uh, it's it's crazy actually. It's, it's, it's a little bit like hypnotism as well. I say it's kind of like a dance, like, and, um, like you, it's almost like the two of you are dancing (laughs) and it's so weird, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally, yeah, I get that. And I think that's where that whole, the energy that you show is what you get back in your photographs a lot of times is true. Um, yeah. If you're I think quiet, energy mirrors energy. Yeah. So if you're whatever, like I might, my goal is to set the tone on any photo shoot myself. So I'll create the energy that I know is necessary to get the pictures we need to get that day. So if the energy needs to be really soft and, um, you know, slow and soft and even sad sometimes, then, you know, I will project that energy very subconsciously, like my clients don't even realize it. <laughs> they don't really realize what hit them. But if it needs to yeah. be like Jedi super, mind trick, yeah, yeah. And if the if the energy on the shoot needs to be super fun and um, you know, like just high energy, laughing, whatever it takes, then that's what I'm going to bring that day too. So it just for me, it depends on whatever the energy is in one in my photographs, then I'll bring that. Yeah. What and uh, the go ahead. um. I was going to say, like, a perfect illustration of that, of, like, a concrete example, is when I watched um, part of the uh, the film show with um, where you guys were out there and the, whatever, you, well, I don't even know where you're at, <laughs> but you had like, a girl and she was, like, it was kind of this, she had, like, the crown on and the cape and, like, the tumbleweeds and, like, yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah. it kind of, like, a darker uh, fashion shoot or whatever, but um, it was very apparent going through that, and everybody that was there kind of felt like it was like this kind of magical thing, and I, I could see you kind of working with the model, trying to get her into this mental space of, of pain and like sorrow and, and loss and all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, Rocky and I was she cool. was like amazing because she allowed us to work her into this state of basically like you know she has a little girl we we were just really working with her feelings towards god her feelings towards her child to strum up some real pain for her so that she could pull it off because what we were asking her to do was not easy (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so we really were able to get her to convey real pain that she was actually feeling in that moment not not only because it was freezing cold outside but also (laughs) because we were really channeling her deepest fears and her deepest um love you know for her child and for god and all those things so yeah it was intense actually but it was like sometimes those are the stories i want to tell are not like always just the pretty and but sometimes those more like deeper painful because we all, you know, go through moments in life where we are in pain or we're, you know, it's not always, life isn't always easy. So there is part of the, I call it the dark side, even though there's some light in the dark, but like I, you know, I want to convey that too sometimes because that's actually like more interesting for me than the beauty, I guess, is, is some of that like 
deeper sorrow and I don't know. Yeah. Stuff that isn't always easy to look at, but right. everyone feels it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I don't think I've met an artist that's, um, that doesn't tap into that on a frequent basis and use that as fuel, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the, the whole yin yang thing. I think if staying too, too much on like happy land, uh, you tend to get kind of weird after a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts to become really, it's just for me, it starts to become really fake because yeah. nobody's going to be happy a hundred percent of the time. And, yeah. and you really want to draw from, for me, I want to draw from my own, my own, um, turmoils and my own struggles and my own things in order to put that into your work. I really feel like in order for you to put yourself into your work, you have to put yourself into your work. You can't just sugarcoat it all, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so there's a lot of beauty in there and there's a lot of pain in there and there's a lot of everything else. So just, I think it's necessary and also just to grow as an artist. Otherwise you're going to get bored just looking at always just sweet, pretty pictures, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Shifting gears a little bit. Um, yep. Oh gosh, lots of things we could talk about. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about you kind of bouncing between kind of this conceptual fashion stuff that you do, and even I would lump the bridal editorial into that side. Um, but then also kind of weddings, which is very much, I don't mean weddings, there's kind of scripted days, but there's also always elements that are unscripted, obviously. Yeah. Um, so. How is that for you mentally bouncing between working in a way that you can control everything to where you don't have near as much control? As control? Yeah. <laughs> um, good question. I love both for different reasons. Um, I love I love creating and I love getting the I love getting the creative freedom in like a fashion or editorial shoot um, things like that where I can actually envision something and then make it happen. Like that mm. is super, super fun for me. That's like where I feel like I excel. Um, but I also love, love documentary. Like I love, um, there's something about weddings. It's kind of refreshing to not have to create sometimes, you know, cause sometimes you're just tapped out creatively and you yeah. need that. Like you need that break from having to constantly be tapped in. So weddings for me is sort of a nice, a nice break from having to, to command creativity like in the moment and, and really step back and just appreciate the beauty that's already there for you and then work with just everything I know about photography, um, light, you know, finding angles, um, capturing moments, timing, all that stuff that you can bring into wedding. I think wedding photography is one of the most challenging least respected but most challenging things you can do with your photography. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't I don't know, there's you have to be a landscape photographer, you have to be a portrait photographer, you have to be a documentary photographer, you have to be you have to be a little bit of every type of photographer <laughs> yeah. when you shoot weddings. And so I feel like you it really helps you grow because you're forced to make decisions very, very, very quickly. You're forced to um utilize lighting that you might not, not normally want to or choose on a different kind of shoot. You're forced to basically make something out of nothing sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where, you know, that's where I've grown 
out of my comfort zone. I'm forced to get out of my comfort zone because fashion for me is a comfort zone. That it's not hard for me. It's easy. It comes easy. It comes natural. It's it's really not that challenging. <laughs> Where weddings is kind of like you're forced to throw yourself in there and make it cool no matter what is thrown at you. And yeah. that's a challenge. I do love challenges. And it's, um, yeah, I would say it just forces you to think outside of the box to, you know, and some of that stuff you can then bring back into your other work. You know, there's a lot of, you know, maybe tricky lighting situations that I wouldn't have ever used before, but because I was forced into it at a wedding, now I'm like, oh, that's not so bad, actually. That's kind of cool, and I can utilize that into my other work. Um, so, yeah, something, it's kind of nice to go back and forth between the two. I feel like it's a good, um, it's really good to do that. And then the other thing is the weddings really, they feed my family. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> Which is nice. it's true. Like the wedding work feeds my family, gives me that solid income that I can actually play in fa- fashion editorial. Even if I don't make money at all, I can make pictures that I want to make because some other kind of work is feeding my family. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 No, I think it's always so healthy, Yeah, to have like a, a work and then a play box, you know? Yeah. And weddings for me are, you know, for me now, weddings, I'm totally in my comfort zone after a, this is my 10th year shooting weddings and, you know, I'm totally in my comfort zone with them now. Pretty much everything that can be thrown at you has been thrown at me, and I can, and I'm now comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just think it is. It's definitely challenging, and it's it's you have to be super quick, uh, make decisions quickly, react quickly, you know, think quickly on your feet, analyze things very very fast, and and that there is a lot about that that's super exciting to me because I'm I I love it. It's a challenge, and it's it makes me like, it kind of makes me thrive a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thrive on that adrenaline. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, this would be a great segue then to talk about some of this kind of film, wedding, kind of geeky stuff. Because um, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of photographers and they're they're wanting to, maybe they shot film or they've never shot film, but they want to start shooting some, even mm-hmm. at like client work like at a wedding they want to throw in a few roles just to kind of mm-hmm. push themselves um so there's some challenges that that come with that so like maybe the first one i would think of is the great thing about digital is that you can go from inside to outside and you can just change your iso on the fly and it's not a big deal where with film once you commit to like 400 speed <laughs> and then you get stuck right. in a dungeon uh, and you obviously transition all of a sudden to some other lighting condition. How do you, you know, handle that? Are you using a flash? I mean, you can't always, you can't just start pushing a roll halfway through. So you have to do you right. just switch to some other camera that's high speed or how do you handle all that? Um, so one, I'm really good at planning. Like I, I, like I'm, I bring a ton of different film stocks. You know, I have everything from, um, you know, 100 ISO to 3200 ISO in a variety of film stocks. So I know, like, with with every wedding going in, I'm going to use, at some point in the night, I'm going to shoot 3200 speed. At some point in the day, I'm going to try to shoot my, you know, 160 or 200 speed film. Um, and I, I, I am going to bring a variety of everything so I never run out of what I need. Um, the second thing is I have four cameras on me, so it's usually not an issue at all. Like if I'm, if the bride's getting ready, I'm very good at planning. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, 
I little, I'm going to load all my cameras up in the film I need for while we're inside getting ready, and that might be some higher speed films, maybe some 800 color, and maybe some 3200 black and white, and I'll have that in my cameras. Um, and I know that I'm going to shoot all of that while she's getting ready, and then as soon as she's done getting ready, we're going to go outside. So I'm going to wait and load my cameras with you know uh, 400 speed that I rate at 200 speed right when we go out. So I'm good at planning. I, I know how much film I'm going to use for each segment of the day. So I try to plan that accordingly. Um, like right before the ceremony, I load up all my cameras, brand new rolls of film. I just know that I don't want to be on, you know, frame 25 right when they start walking down the aisle. That yeah. I'm going to have to stop to reload at some point, and then you might miss the moment. So make sure, you know, I'm going to make sure that before the ceremony, I'm going to go around and take all these little candid shots of guests coming. And I'm I'm doing that more because it is a nice thing for the bride and groom to have, but I'm doing that more to burn out that last roll of film that I have on my camera before ceremony starts, to mm-hmm. be honest. So I'm I'm a good, I'm very good at planning and I know how it's going to roll. So that helps. Um, worst case scenario is basically I'm going to, I've shot 10 frames, and I'm just going to go ahead and burn that out. I'm just going to empty it out of my camera, and I'm going to have 10 frames on that one roll, and I'm going to put in a different roll of film. And it's sort of, it's a, it's a loss of, you know, 25 pictures that I paid for, but yeah. big deal, big deal, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't really look at it as too much of a challenge. It is a challenge, but it's doesn't it's not ever a problem for me i just i've learned how to make it work and using different film stocks when mm-hmm. i have to and and you know part of having four cameras you have the advantage you can have high speed film in one camera and you can have um you know what would be nice daylight out shooting outside in another one and and that's cool you could just be using you know one of the cameras while you're inside and then as soon as you go back out you've got your other one loaded and ready to go so I think the challenge is having more cameras on me at weddings. Um, <laughs> I, know most, I know most digital photographers have one or two cameras on them, where right. I usually have four or five cameras on me. Which is crazy. So, I, um, it is crazy, but that's just how I work, and I like it. Like uh, it For me, it's just it, it doesn't seem hard or weird now because yeah. it's just what I do. <laughs> do and it's, uh, I'm trying to think. I think I saw some video of you at a wedding. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're fairly thin you know and you've got a lot of gear around you <laughs> and i was like I oh my would, gosh i would not be carrying that gear like i would my back would be killing me four hours in and i would be hating it so you yeah you do a lot of like i'm just not a wuss i'm like, not a wuss it's crazy i'm not a wuss i don't wimp out i just I'm do what has to be done yeah i don't <laughs> whine i don't cry about i just do whatever has to be done and whether that means my neck is killing me at the end of the day oh well my neck's killing me at the end of the day but meanwhile yeah. Hopefully, I took some great pictures that day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just don't think of, I don't usually think of anything in the why this shouldn't be done or can't be done or why that's a pain. I just go, well, if this is what it takes, then I'm going to do it. And I just do it. I don't complain about it. So, I have a really nice strap that I bought last summer, finally, called the Money Maker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's taken a lot of pain off of my neck. It, it allows me to carry three cameras and just all the weight, basically. It's like a shoulder strap. So that's really helped. Um, so I find solutions like that. Um, and, you know, but, you know, nine years prior to that, I just had four or five cameras around my neck, and that's just the way it went. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, I also need to have an assistant there to help, too, because sometimes I'm just throwing gear at them all day long, like, hold this, hold that, hold this, hold that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just make it work. Whatever it takes is what I'll do, and sometimes that is just carrying a lot of gear around. How do you, so at receptions, even, wow, my voice just cracked. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> at receptions, are you, are you just 100% filmed in as well? Because I know a lot of film shooters that kind of go to digital at, like, reception time because of the high so stuff yeah no not me i just shoot 100 percent film my assistant photographers if they're if i have one at the wedding they're shooting some digital usually at that point um but i still shoot film i still prefer the look of it even during the dark receptions um i really do still prefer the look of film uh, my film over digital work um you know i just like I said, I'm not a very good digital photographer, so I can't seem to make my pictures look like I want them to look when I shoot digital. So I just have have still kept with the shooting the film thing. <laughs> and I love, you know, I tend to shoot a lot more black and white during the evening, um, mm. if I, especially if I have to use flash. Um, I like the way it looks. It's very timeless. And, and I've come up with little, I don't like doing a whole lot of setup. So I don't use a whole lot of off-camera lighting and things like that. Um, I just try to keep it super-duper-duper simple. The more simple for me, the easier it is for me to do it. If I have to go set up a bunch of lights and flashes around the room, I probably won't. <laughs> yeah. So if I, can keep, if, I, if I can keep my system super, super simple, then it works best for me to do it that way, and I'll take better pictures because I'll, be I'll be less consumed with what, I, with the, what are the lights doing and more just zeroed in on what are the people doing in the photos. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I uh, I just use, basically if I have to use flash during reception, I use an on-camera flash and I try to bounce it off of anything white that's around me. And if there is nothing white around me, I will, I bring my own little mini, um, mini bounce. Um, it's a reflector, but it's a little mini reflector that I have my assistant hold. I'll create my own little white bounce if I have to. Mm-hmm. And just try to keep it simple, you know. Um, yeah, and I yeah. do tend to shoot a lot more like 3,200 speed film um, that time of day. And now the Brothers Wright have just come out with, um, well, it, they, you know, they're starting to make now available the um, Cinestill um, yeah, film. Kodak 500T, which is the movie film, the motion yeah. picture film, but they're, they've figured out a way to to make it for use with 35-millimeter cameras and have it process C41, which is really awesome for just that scenario. You know, tungsten light, um, you know, it's that perfect reception lighting stuff that everyone hates. That film is perfect for that. So that's another option now that we are getting ready to have that wasn't available before, which is super exciting. Yeah, so, that's yep. awesome. So film 100% of the time. Um, I don't ever shoot digital. Nice. Um, yeah. All right, so you've got this photographer that comes to you and they want to start shooting more film just because they like it or it just fits their business model or whatever. They like it better. Um, what advice do you have for um, how to price for that to add it into your repertoire, I guess, because a lot of photographers, they say they don't shoot film just because it's too expensive. And so they kind of use that right. as a bit of an, ex- I guess I call it an excuse because I figure if, if 
there's a will, there's a way. If you want to use it, you can figure out how to make Absolutely. it work. So uh, what advice do you have for helping people bridge that gap? Um, I think, well, A, I would not just dive into film overnight. I feel mm-hmm. like film is something you want to master before you start putting it into especially like wedding work. So I feel like it's something that you should definitely play with until you feel very confident in it. Um, and then once, you know, once there's that, then you have to figure out how to charge for it. Well, you know, I mean, there's a ton of digital photographers that charge just as much, if not more than I do. So, so I think no matter what your medium, there'll be a market for it, right? Um, and no matter where your price, there'll be a market for it. But your work has to stand behind that price tag or people aren't going to be willing to pay for it. So um, I think with whether you're shooting film or digital, you're going to get – the price point you're going to get is what you um, what you can get by a – you know, a lot of people aren't charging enough. They could be charging a lot more. Some people are charging way more and shooting less. I mean, it's all over the gamut. <laughs> it mm-hmm. boils down to what you feel confident in charging. And what you're willing to walk out your front door and leave your family that day for. <laughs> yeah. um, but obviously with film, there's definitely an expense, so you have to be able to cover that in order to shoot it. Um, and I think you got to, A, your work has to stand behind the justification of spending that much, right? And B, you just have to say, I'm going to do it and do it. Because if you if you don't, if you're always on the fence and if you never really just jump in and do it, then you're always going to be wondering what if I really did it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you love film and you want to shoot film, I think you just have to go for it and you just have to do it and and don't look back. And I always believe, I don't know if there's a secret um, on how to charge more. If there was, I would be doing it too. (laughs) But I think that you just put your blood, sweat, and tears into what it is that you love. And hopefully if you're blessed and lucky, you'll be able to make a career out of it and you'll be able to make money at it and you just keep going. Um, it's not an easy transition, I don't think, from people switching from digital to film and having to charge more, but maybe they don't make more. They just, that's a, that's something that sometimes they need to bite that bullet for a little while until they build it up. You know what I mean? Um, like I, you know, I could charge a heck of a lot less and make the same amount of money if I shot digital, but I wouldn't be as happy with my work. I wouldn't be as proud of the images that I produce. So, so even though I charge what I need to charge to justify shooting film, I still feel like my profits are not as high as they should be (laughs) because I have to pay the film and processing. But for me, it's sacrificing more profit for the quality of work for me and my work um, flow. So, and you're, so I I was going to jump in real quick. I would say like your post-production time, that's one thing I hear from a lot of people that shoot film is your post-production time in the back end is actually shorter. Um, it is. That being said, I mean, I still am very, I'm, I'm yeah. very particular. So I will, I do go through Lightroom with every single picture I take at every wedding, every photo shoot I do. They all go in Lightroom. They all get edited. Um, so it's not like I just get them back from the lab and say, oh, they look amazing. Like every single picture, even if it's a minor little tiny contrast tweak, everything gets mm-hmm. tweaked in Lightroom. So, you know, I could do it fairly quickly now, you know, three or four hours for a wedding. Yeah. But um, 
actually like portrait and fashion take longer because there's a lot more usually beauty shots and close-ups that you have to go in and actually yeah. do some, you know, little <laughs> take out a little zit here or a little line there. <laughs> yeah. Those actually take a lot longer. But, um, but yeah, so I think post-production, even though it's probably less than digital, there's a lot of digital photographers that I know that their post-production is way faster than mine even though I'm shooting films. I think it just boils down to what you want your work to look like and what you're willing to do to get it there. Um, they don't always just come straight from the lab looking amazing. Like, yeah. we, I still work my butt off to make them look how I want them to look, regardless of how the lab delivers them to me. So, um, All right, so you've been at this for a while now. Um, so what advice do you have for somebody... Uh, especially photographers now that are kind of just getting into it. Um, but they want to have like a sustained long kind of career, you know? Yeah. How do you, how have you managed to have a decade plus career and still have energy to keep pushing forward and move on to the next decade? Um, you gotta, you gotta pour your blood, sweat and tears into it and be, you gotta, you gotta make your work your own. Like you can't just, be the next Jose Villa or, you know, you, you have to figure out what it is that makes you unique and makes you have the voice that you have and put it in your work. And then, um, and don't sacrifice, don't shoot for your client. You got to shoot for yourself. Um, you're, you really need to figure out what it is that you want your photography to say and keep putting that into it. And, uh, I would say, like, don't sell out and don't sacrifice, you know, like, there's so many times where it'd be easy to do a job that's just to make the money, but, but I, I know that it's not, it's not going to feel right for me doing it, and it's not going to be me at all, mm -hmm. and I just have to turn those jobs down, believing and having faith that, like, there's going to be one that comes down the pipe that is me and will still be just as amazing in the money department. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I, I think you have to find your unique voice. You can't just look at other people's work and go, that's pretty, I want to do that. There's, you know, the the people that stand out in the photography stand out for a reason because they're putting themselves into their work. And it's they've found their, you know, their voice and they've stayed true to their voice um, without, like, feeling like they've had to become pressured into morphing into something else just because everyone else is doing it, I guess. Yeah. Do you... Yeah, or trends, you know. Yeah. I mean, do you have any, like, practical advice for people on how to, I guess, find their voice? I mean, it's kind of, I hate almost saying that anymore because it's, like, a trendy topic, but... Um, I know. you got to dig deep and you got to figure out who you are and what you stand for and what you love and what you don't love. And, you know, like, there's got to be some sort of consistency in that. Like, mm -hmm. um, what, you know, not, not just shooting something because someone else is doing it and it's a trend, but shooting something for what you find appealing and beautiful or what you find interesting or what you find, what you're passionate about, because that's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. I like that you said what you stand for because um, I like the idea of it's, it's you know, your voice is basically kind of like your opinion. Mm -hmm. um, it's all your opinion. So what is, yeah, what's your opinion? Like what, uh, what's your point of view you're trying to share with us uh, and so many people they don't have 
they don't have an opinion about the world. They're afraid of like offending people or saying something that's going to hack somebody off or whatever. But if you're any type of business to build, you have to have something you stand for and like this is it and you put a stake in the ground. Yeah, you got to know yourself. I think you got to know yourself and what you stand for better than anybody else. Um, and that's why I say shoot for yourself because I shoot for me. I shoot for my standards. Like I know my clients have standards, but I'm not going to shoot for their standards because their standards are going to be different from client to client to client. I want to shoot pictures that I'm proud of and make me happy. And then in turn, I know that the clients that appreciate and love what I do will find me. So it's like if it, when I shoot, I shoot to make myself proud every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm proud of the pictures, then I'm proud of what I've done. And I'm going to do that every single time. And then hopefully that's just, it, it becomes full circle because the clients that end up coming to you and finding you and loving what you do are the ones that love basically what you love, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's going to be different for everybody. And that's why it's, that's why the world is so cool. And that's why trends for me are like, I don't know, everything becomes trendy after a certain period of time. And like, I don't ever want to fall into that trap of just following a trend because I can make money at it or because someone is doing it and it looks cool or because a client says they want to do that thing that they saw over here. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to definitely, it, it, I'm not afraid of hard work and sometimes, sometimes keeping your work original and fresh and keeping it pure and about, and, and what you want, sometimes that's not the easier road to take. I mean, most of the time that's not the easier road to take. A hundred percent of the time for me, that hasn't been the easier road to take. But I'm not afraid of that road because I know that road is going to be, that road is going to make me grow more and that road is going to make me more satisfied and that road is going to be, it's going to be harder, but ultimately more satisfying and more rewarding. So, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, All right. Does that make any sense? Am I making sense today? It did. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Um, All right, two questions, and then I'll let let you off the hook. Um, Okay, so do you know, uh, I guess you know Reginald Campbell, Mr. Campbell, Reggie Campbell? I do. All right. Yep, we're friends on Facebook. Okay, so you guys are tight. Um, Anyway, so he had a question for you that I I, I thought was a good one. So uh, he wanted me to ask you, uh, what changes have you seen in your work in the last uh, few years and has the industry influenced that change at all? Okay. What changes have I seen in my own work? Um, Well, I started teaching a few years ago and what I realized I'm a really, I love teaching. Like I'm really passionate about teaching and I love it. I almost love it as much as I like taking pictures. Um, But how that's influenced my own work is it has made me more and more critical of my own work because now it's like I'm now teaching someone else this. Like I can't, I can't do it. I can't be guilty of doing these things myself, you know, composition, (laughs) cropping, you know, things like this. Yeah. Um, So I think I've become a lot more stringent in my work, which not is not necessarily a good thing. It's like, it is a good thing because I'm very, very careful. But it's also, there's a, a side to it that it feels sort of binding, like it's not as free. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm shooting, I'm so paranoid now of cropping and angles and um, composition that it's hard for me to let, just let go of that and and uh, and take a picture, even if I know that those things aren't 
right where I want them to be. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, the polish. So yeah. I, yeah, so I feel like um, part of my work has evolved and changed from teaching into like less free and a little bit more stringent on things. Like I'm mm-hmm. super particular with the way things are cropped and framed and and if someone's pinky is cropped off, like I don't even want to put that picture in my portfolio, right? <laughs> I'm like, er, and I used to not be that way. I used to be a lot more carefree. And I used to not notice those things so much in um, in my own work or other people's as much as I notice them now. So so I've become a little bit more frigid and, <laughs> and less <laughs> carefree, which is probably not a good thing. I would I would like to go back, but it's impossible to go back because once, you, once you've set your – once you've – like once you've noticed cropping is a is a horrible problem and you start you're you know you fight hard to like break yourself of bad cropping then once it's out you can't you can't go back the other way and like start cropping poorly again and yeah. not so worry so much about it it's just ingrained in you yeah so i would say um um definitely been become a lot more um focused and stringent on what i I don't know if that's a word, stringent. I like it, though. <laughs> I'm going with it. We're going with that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm huh. a lot more careful, I guess. Yeah. Um, and less carefree. And um, and that's a double-edged sword, I think. Mm. Um, and what was the second part of that question? Has in- industry influenced that change at all? Um, hmm. I don't necessarily feel like the industry has necessarily influenced what I shoot or how I shoot um, or my work. I kind of, I kind of, I don't, I don't um, pay that much attention to what other people are doing in the industry. Mm. Um, I really, I'm kind of lazy about that and good or bad. (laughs) I don't pay that much attention to what other people in the industry are doing. So, I um, tend to do my own thing any, regardless of what the industry is doing. Um, that's probably clear just for the mere fact that I'm still shooting film. But <laughs> yeah. um, I do what works for me in that moment, and sometimes that's not shooting at all. Sometimes that's just staying in bed all day. <laughs> 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 and other days that's getting out and shooting my heart out. And you know, I think one of the things that I'm really starting to move towards now is shooting a lot more personal work, um, work that, you know, I, sadly, you know, I was redoing my, my family room wall and I wanted to do this huge wall of images and I'm going through all my work, thousands and thousands of images and I could find nothing that I would want to put on my own living room wall. And that was very sad. Everything came off my iPhone. I realized, you know, everything was important to me. I shot on my iPhone because it was my kids, my family, you know, vacation, and that kind of was a little bit of a wake-up call. Like, what am I doing? Like, I prefer film, and I sell film, the whole idea of shooting it to everyone I know. Like, I just think it's the most amazing thing. And yet, here I am looking for pictures to put on my wall in my house, and they're all from my iPhone? How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sad, right? How does that work? Yeah. So, yes. So one of the things I'm working on um, migrating to is really shooting a lot more for myself from in film in my own, you know, I, one of the, one of the reasons why I don't do that is because I feel like when I put the camera in front of my face, I put on my photographer hat and I become on 
being the photographer. And so I miss out on, you know, when I'm hanging out with my kids, I just want to be mom and, and I want to be in those moments. But yeah. the minute I put the camera up, taking myself out of those moments. So, yeah. um, so that's one struggle that I've had just sort of balancing. I want those amazing pictures of my own kids in their, in our house, just being them. And then at the same time, putting on, putting those cameras in front of my face, take me out of those moments as well. So yeah. trying to balance that and figure that out. Yeah, that's tough. And then I have a few like personal projects that I'd really like to get started working on. So, so hopefully I'm clearing some, clearing some time in my schedule over the next year and two years to do some more things really that I want to do for me. Cool. And less, you know, first of my clients. Yeah. Um, last question is, should be easy, hopefully. Um, All right, so who are your favorite fashion photographers? Well, my very favorite fashion photographer is a fellow by the name of Paolo Reversi. Mm -hmm. And he was really big in like the, you know, 1980s, 70s, 80s. And a lot of his work is very, um, you know, sort of like dreamy, surreal, um, not super duper crisp and in focus. It's a little more blurred and a little bit more like lots of emotion. Very simple actually, but um, just beautiful. He did a lot of eight by 10 work um, hmm. and all film and just, I'm really drawn to his images, really, really drawn to his images. Very Other cool. than that, I don't have that many other fashion uh, photographer icons. Um, he's my ultimate, like, <laughs> I want to live in his pictures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. either want to live in them or wanna, want to have taken them. They're just beautiful. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for, uh, you know, opening yourself up and uh, talking to me. So that was uh, a lot Thank of fun. Thank you for having me. It was nice and fun. And I hope I didn't, um, didn't do too much crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did not. Okay, good. Not. It was totally good. Well, thank you so much. It was an honor.